Um, we are busy unpacking how to build a strong family. That's what we want. We want strong families. If we have a strong family, strong families influence the community and make it a strong community. If the community influences the province and it makes it a strong province. And so it goes on to the nation, you know. And so we seem to uh, struggle with our identity as a nation. We seem to uh, fall short, you know, when it comes to understanding our purpose in life. And that's why uh, we need to come back to the original, come back to the beginning. We need to start at the beginning if we lose or lost our track in the journey of life. We read uh, in the last uh, two weeks, we read in Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Okay? Let us make man in our image. In our image. So there's an image that God has that we must copy and we must live out. We've been made in the image of God. We haven't been made in the image of Satan. We haven't been made in the image of crime. We have been made in the image of God. And so we, uh, you know, we've been made, you know, to do good things. Can I get a witness, somebody? Don't feel excited that you are doing good things. All you are doing is you are living up to what you were made for. When you show acts of kindness, don't, you know, ride on the, the, the accolades of people and the applause of men, you know, and feel good about yourself, you know, because we're so full of ourselves that we forgot that we have been made to do good works. You have not been made to do bad works. We do that by our choice. But God has made us in the image of God. And because God is good, we too must live a good life. Amen. Let me just uh, say from the offset here, uh, in my prayer and uh, this week as I was meditating, kindly note that I... When I, medit when I prepare the messages and the teachings, I have nobody on my mind so that I can strike at somebody from the pulpit. I'm not that immature to do that. So when I'm speaking about a particular thing, I want you to know I'm not speaking of you in particular. I'm not picking your life out. I'm speaking in the general context. And so you learn to eat the fish and throw away the bones. Yes? We read here in Genesis chapter 1, I need to move quickly, that God said, let us make man in our own image and according to our likeness. So we have to reflect the likeness of God. We have to reflect forgiveness and mercy 
and grace. We have to reflect. Are we together? I love what the children said here. The fruits of the Spirit. You know, we have to reflect that likeness of God. Because when we are living our lives in relationship to people, we must reflect the likeness of God. How would God, you know, we have this uh, armband that we carry, you know, um, uh, what would Jesus do? And that's a very good and a helpful thing to use as a benchmark. What would Jesus do? And so we live our lives, you know, in a way that what would God do in a case like this? I believe this morning that oftentimes we lose relationships with people because the offense is too strong. The offense is so powerful. We've been in relationship for many years and because of one offense, we walk away from that relationship. That's not the likeness of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says God stooped down low in Samuel. He stooped down low to pick us up and make us great. So that should be the likeness of how we should live. We must esteem our brother above ourselves. We must esteem one another. We must love each other because in the world, only the strong survive. But in the kingdom, or in the context of the kingdom, God says, I want you to take the weak and raise them up so they can become strong. We don't trample on the weak. We don't step on the weak. But we lift up the weak. Tell your neighbor, we must lift up the weak. Yes, we must lift up the weak. And so I highlighted that God created man in his image and in the image of God, he created both male and female. All right? Genesis chapter 2 pointed to us that God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, uh, you know, archaeologists cannot find that place called Eden. But the Bible is very clear that there was a place called Eden. And the, the Hebrew word for Eden uh, has five strokes, you know, in the way the, the name is or the, the word is being spelled out. But there's a significant meaning for every stroke that there is in Eden. Eden, as I understand correctly, is a spot. Okay? It's a spot. It's more a spot than it is a place, a city, a town, a, a village. Edom is a spot. Edom, the word Edom means presence. It is a spot where Adam met God in his presence. So where God's presence was manifested in Eden, the Bible says God came down to Adam and would speak to Adam in the cool of the night. So Edom was a spot, a delightful spot, where Adam could meet with God. Let me move on. Okay? It's not only a spot or a delightful place, and it's a, uh, the presence of God, but Edom is also an open door. So wherever God is present, 
There is an open door. There is an opportunity to tap into heaven so that heaven can release some of the things God has purposed for you and I to have. Some of us have not got it yet. That's why they don't hunger after the presence of God. Edom, I believe, <coughs> is a spot where the presence of God is. Praise the Lord. Cheers. Edom is a spot. Okay? So God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work. Say to work. So it is the will of God that Adam, some people think that we are going to heaven and we're going to sit, you know, with angels flying around us. I believe that is not the truth because God is productive. God reproduces. God multiplies. And I believe that in heaven, we are going to work. It's going to be a productive heaven. We are going to work in heaven. On earth, when we work on earth, because of the curse that God put on the earth, Adam would sweat, you know, by his bro. And therefore work, is a burden for us. But in heaven, work will not be a burden. It will be a pleasure for us to work. Are you hearing me this morning? God took man and he put him in the spot, okay, for a moment where the presence of God was and when there was an open door. When you have an open door over your life, let me tell you, God's goodness God's favor, God's prosperous hand, God's mercy will come upon your life. And so you and I should hunger to be in that spot because Edom is not a place. Edom is not in Mesopotamia. Edom is where God is. That is where Edom manifests. Do we understand that this morning? Do we understand that? Because the place Edom could not be found by archaeologists and scientists. They are still looking for it, but they cannot find it because Edom is not a place, but Edom is a spot. Hallelujah. Let me carry on. We spoke about God created Adam out of the dust of the earth. All right? And when he made Adam, we pointed out that um, out of Adam... God brought forth Eve. In other words, God was, if we were made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, then we have to reproduce of the same kind. When God, in eternity past, in order for God to be Father, He produced the Son out of Him. So out of God, he produced in past eternity. 
Before there was a universe, before there was earth, before there were stars, God out of himself produced a son. And he calls the son, he is the son of God. And so the father becomes the father to the son. We also pointed out, you know, that the father, let me just move on. Because I've got a very powerful message here this morning. The word father comes from the Hebrew word Abba. Abba, father, he is called. Abba. Abba means sustainer. Abba means source. Abba means nourisher. Abba means supporter. Abba means foundation. And we said that what's wrong in the world today is that our mindset and our mentality about how the family must be shaped. The father is on top and everybody else is at the bottom. And we discovered that that is not God's model. The father must be at the bottom. He must be the sustainer. He must be the supporter. He must be the foundation. The father is not on top. Some fathers want to be on top because they want to control. God never appointed Adam to control Eve. God appointed Adam to be the foundation. Like the father is the foundation. He is the sustainer. He is the supporter. That's why we see when Jesus came into the earth, he always referred to the sustainer. I do nothing out of myself. I only speak what the Father speaks. Are we still together this morning? All right, let me move on. We said that God confronts because Adam was placed in the garden and he was told not to eat of the fruit in the garden. And as a result, you know, the whole entire kingdom collapsed. And so Adam started a nature that that same nature is in many of our men today. Is that men don't want to deal with chaos. Men seem to, when chaos hits their home, when chaos hits their family, they have a tendency to flee. They have a tendency to run. They have a tendency, you know, to go silent. By the way, I'm extracting the, this knowledge and information from some resources. Uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, very, very good author. He writes The Silence of Adam. And he helps us to understand, to show us, you know, how Adam behaves when crisis hits him. And so we're not going to go uh, too much into that. Uh, but what we did say that God does not flee from, from chaos. God confronts chaos. God does not flee from darkness. God confronts darkness. Yes, God speaks to chaos and he brings forth order. God speaks to darkness and he brings forth light. God is not like Adam. 
But Adam should be like God. Because God shows us the So it doesn't matter that you don't. Jesus said, in this world you will face trouble. So it doesn't matter that you don't trouble trouble. But trouble will come to you. And so you need to know. Just as, you know, God demonstrates to us. That he speaks to chaos. And he speaks to the darkness. And he says... What was intended for evil, I will bring it out for good. Do you see that? This is the way Adam must think. This is the way fathers have to think. But instead, fathers go into a panic. And they go, you know, they abstain or they, they you know, they withdraw from their families. Where they should be dealing and coping with the situation in their homes. Instead... They decline and they become silent. And now as a result, the enemy has control over that home. Follow with me now. Adam was physically present, but emotionally absent. Have you experienced that? I, I know of, of, of fathers. My father was physically present. Emotionally, he was absent. You know why? His priorities was not with me. His priorities was out there. His priorities was with his friends. His priorities was with his career. His priorities was with his entertainment. His priorities was with his recreation. His priorities was not with the family. Do you see that? And so we find... That Adam was passive before, you know, he ate the forbidden fruit. God's creation brought creation out of the chaos. Adam's silence brought chaos out of the creation. Did you catch that this morning? Let me repeat myself. God's creation, he... Brought creation out of chaos. Adam's silence brought chaos, you know, back to creation. Where creation was, where there was order, Adam brought chaos. And this is very much, you know, like how people start off in the starting blocks. They start off in order. But then they end up in chaos. Yes? Marriages, families, they start off in certain order. They have, you know, wonderful goals that they desire. Can I just ask that we please don't walk around? You know, this is quite an intense message. And it, uh, it does affect me, you know, when people walk around. So... As you move toilet to gaan, gaan go toilet to. And do not vanach. And I say that respectfully, but please help me that, that I can focus on the message. Okay? Are we together this morning? Now come with me to Proverbs 24. Laverne, you almost stole the word out of my mouth this morning. You said Proverbs 19. What verse was that? What? what? Verse 8, I must remember that. But I want you to come to Proverbs 24 and verse 3. 
Proverbs 24 and verse 3. Okay? So we laid a foundation. Now we are in the home, and now we have to build on top now. We need to go up. All right? We pointed out, remember we said, the man is the foundation of the home. Yes? The man is the foundation of the home. You are the foundation of the home. Let me just say that again. Because some of you men don't seem to understand. We said when there's a crack in the wall, the building inspector will not condemn that wall. When there's a crack in the roof, the building inspector will not condemn that house. When there's a crack in the window, the building inspector will not condemn that house. But when there's a crack in the wall, and what did we say? Uh, 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 was it Proverbs or Psalm 11 verse 3, I think it is? If the foundations are being broken, what can the righteous do? So your role as a father is to be the foundation of your family. And if you don't play that role, Satan is going to come into your home and he is going to crack the foundations so that there's no foundation. That's why you are the sustainer of the family. Okay? You're not on top. You're inside. You're on the foundation. Not, I'm not inside. I'm on top. No. It's the other way around. Why? Because fathers must first be the example. Your example is going to give you authority. You understand? To bring across principles to help the, your child in life. Let me just carry on, okay? I'll show you now through the word. Proverbs 24 verse 3 says, A house is built. Is it here? Okay. A house. Okay, let's just give me the, the Holman translation. Can you give me that? Okay. James, can you give me the New King James? Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Through wisdom, a house is built. Okay, I want you to hold that thought. Through wisdom, a house is built. If you want to build your house, okay, you cannot build your house on foolishness. The Bible has a lot to say about the fool and his house. All right? Now he says, and by understanding, it is what? It is established. Okay, carry on. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. This translation says, a house is built by wisdom and it is established by understanding and by knowledge the rooms are filled with precious, beautiful treasures. Now, the way to build 
whether it's your marriage or whether it's your home. And let me just say to you this morning, it doesn't matter who we are and what we know and how intelligent we are or what we possess. This is giving us key fundamental principles to build a home. To build a home, he doesn't talk about having a stack system in your home. He doesn't talk about having a nice leather suite in your home. Because that's our focus. That's why uh, in, in, in our church, when I marry people, you have to walk with me for a year. Why? Because too many of our people have been brainwashed by Hollywood, have been brainwashed by a society who, have, who are clueless about how to build a house. So if you want to know how to build a house, listen carefully. He's saying a house is built on wisdom. Okay? If you want to build a family, a home, it is by these three things that you must, you must write them down. Write it down, those three words. Because it's going to, after this morning, my prayer is that we are going to look at our lives differently. And begin to align ourselves with these key words of knowledge. We can gain understanding so that we can walk and work in wisdom. Some of you young people, I want to say to you, don't follow after the marketers who show you that if you have, if you want to be married, you live in a big double story house with a swimming pool. And you, you can have all of that luxury and leisure and still not be happy in your life that you are living. The number one weakness, and I say this respectfully, and I say, may God help me here this morning, but I think the number one weaknesses of many males is that they think that they are smart. That's why they don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to listen to the, the principles. Now Solomon, who is considered as the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon is giving us this counsel. And I think that, you know, he had incredible, the counsel that he possessed, the wisdom that he possessed, was only that which comes from God. In fact, by the way, the Bible says if a man lacks wisdom... He should what? He should ask. Now, let me just help you and I understand. When you ask for wisdom, wisdom is not going to come from heaven, right? Shh. There you got wisdom. No. God is going to use knowledge and He's going to give you understanding. And it's the application of that understanding that's going to arrive at wisdom. Wisdom is not a magic wand that when you pray, now the angel is going to come like he came with my HTC and brought it to Josephine. It doesn't work that way. When it comes to wisdom, he's going to give you a situation that is packaged just for you so that you can experience or rather learn knowledge. Get knowledge. Have knowledge. 
And once you have the knowledge, now you are going to begin to understand. Because if you don't understand, you cannot arrive at wisdom. So when we pray for wisdom, what we are saying, God, give me a situation that I am going to arrive at wisdom. Are we together this morning? All right. Our problem as men, as fathers, as leaders, is our problem is that uh, pride is so big that our ignorance can't fight it. That's the problem. That's why history keeps repeating itself. Why? Because we don't learn from history. We don't learn from the lessons of life. So we repeat the same thing year in and year out. We're going through the same stuff. And God wants you to, just like you have desires, God also have even greater desires. I know the plans, the plans I have for you, the plans that I have for you is not to make you poor. The plans I have for you is so that you can prosper. And I'm not only talking about money, but He wants you to prosper in life. Prosper in your relationships. Prosper in your ministry. Prosper in your prayer life. He wants you to prosper. He wants the best. In fact, He wants better for you than you want for you. Let me just carry on. I Knowledge, let me just say to us this morning, that knowledge does not come after you. Hello, somebody. You can pray for knowledge, but knowledge is not going to come after you. Yeah? Tell me, did the school come after you in order for you to learn knowledge over the years? No. You had to go after the school. Yes? So in order for you to gain knowledge, you have to make the effort. I can't make the effort for you. It's amazing, you know, that um, we have Bible study and we make it available for people to gain knowledge, but very few people come. But I have to understand that knowledge cannot, because I see the benefit of knowledge. It does help you. You know, uh, I'm sorry to pick on you again, uh, Willie. You know, they say that if you want to hide something from the colored people, just stick it in a book. Because colored people don't like to go after knowledge. Let me move on. That's another day. Let me leave that for another day. So Solomon is saying, the first thing we need to do is to, bu- to build your marriage and to have a strong family is that you must first get knowledge. Okay? You must go after it. You must go and buy it. You must try to do whatever you can to gain knowledge. Okay? Secondly, Solomon says, 
you need understanding. So firstly, you need knowledge. Secondly, you need to have understanding. Now, you know, a lot of people have knowledge. Just because you're educated doesn't mean that you have understanding. I know of a lot of people. There's someone in my family, you know, that, um, uh, that is a lawyer but lacks understanding. That's the, 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 so there's a two-part. Yes, you must go after knowledge. You must make the effort to educate yourself. You must go and read. Where's those girls? That's a pity. But I teach them, good readers make strong leaders. If you don't like to read, you're always going to be a laborer and do what the manager says. Good readers draw the attention of employers and can see that this person is knowledgeable and have understanding. And therefore, that person I want to promote in my business because they will contribute to my business. Are we together this morning? I may go a little over time, not a little, but uh, okay. You have to understand the information, see it assimilate into your reality. So you have to practice what you preach. There's a practicing part, there's a participation, there's a, you know, taking the knowledge and making it a part of your day-to-day -day reality. And so when you receive that information and you gain the understanding of that information and you become, you know, you begin to walk the talk instead of talking the walk. You have to walk the talk. And so when you walk the talk, Solomon says, that is wisdom. So you can't just get wisdom falling from heaven. A situation must first be created for you to learn. Oh, the light switch on. I see. I see that. I see that. So now you gain the knowledge. Now as you look at, you know, as you meditate on it, as you think about it, now that, that knowledge becomes clearer. The light bulb switches on. Now you can understand. Oh, now I understand. Now you understand, but it doesn't stop there. You have to take it further and bring it to your day-to-day -day reality. It must become, you know, you must personify the Word of God. The Word must not be in the head only. The Word must filter from the head into the heart. And into your life. The third thing, as I mentioned, the word wisdom means application. Say wisdom means application. Do you know that the Bible is supreme about application? The Bible says wisdom is supreme. Yeah? Say wisdom is supreme. 
Because you can have knowledge and understanding, but if there's no application. It's, you know, it's like, um, uh, if I can illustrate it, you know, you have, you have someone that has a toolbox. Have you seen people, they got toolboxes? Pastor Ray, you know, obviously he borrows my tools a lot, you know. And uh, he too is boasting about his toolbox, but it's actually my toolbox. <laughs> but a lot of people, have a, they have a toolbox. But the problem is they don't know how to fix it. Yeah? They don't know how to fix. So what's the point of you having the toolbox? You got the toolbox. You're supposed to fix. But the problem is you don't have the understanding of how the engine works. And because you have the toolbox doesn't mean you've got wisdom. That's exactly what wisdom is. It's like, you know, it's like, um, you know, on the packet of cigarettes. And uh, please forgive me, those of you that do. It says there, smoking is harmful to the body, and it can kill you. All right? Now, I can understand that some people, they, they may be doing it out of habit. But I can't understand a doctor. I can't understand a smoking doctor who has the knowledge, and he has the understanding, but yet, He's a smoking doctor. It's ridiculous. How can, how can you and I have taken all the effort to go and gain knowledge and then to meditate and spend time to meditate and then we fail to apply? That's our problem. The problem in the church today, Pastor Robbie, we have a lot of educated people, but not many of them apply that knowledge. And so fathers, I want to speak to you this morning. God requires, because we are the foundation. We are the sustainer. We are the source. God requires of me that I must first Gain wisdom before I can build a strong family. You brothers got it? You got it? Right? You can't build a strong family on your salary. You can't build a strong family on, uh, you know, on an inheritance that you want to leave for your children. Money has nothing to do with building a strong, you know, family. You can't build a strong family if you have all the games and you have nice big TVs and, you know, everything that people want in this day. That does not mean you're going to have a strong family. You have to gain knowledge first. And then you have to meditate on it. Gain a heart of understanding. Wow, what does the Bible say about a woman of understanding? She should be praised. Wow. So understanding puts you to the next level. 
and helps you to bring you to a place where you can function and operate in wisdom. Are we still together? Yes. Okay, let me move on. Let me just, can I, can I move on, beloveds? Uh, Miles Monroe says something very powerful. He says, um, okay, before I get to him. The way to build a strong family is information that is based on the truth. Because there's a lot of information that's available. But not all information is the truth. Yeah? I mean, uh, Josephine, forgive me now for speaking out of the house. Please have mercy on me, Josephine. Josephine did a crazy thing because she's so crazy in love with me. She went and bought me a big 70-inch TV. Yeah? Now I'm sitting there with that big TV and I don't know what to do. Justin only got eyes for Kezia now. He don't have any eyes for me. You see, LG TV, there is in the box, there's a manual. I can't go to Sense TV and read their manual about LG TV. So when I'm saying that there is a information that must be true, then it has to be the original manufacturer. And when you look at your life, Oprah is not your original. The psychologist, Dr. Phil, is not your original manufacturer. The psychologist and the scientist are not the original manufacturer. In order for me to operate that TV, I need to go to the manual. And the manual will tell me the truth because they are the manufacturer of the product. Is that right? But what do we do? We go to the, we go and check the stars, Pisces, Sagittarius, Libra, Virgo. Yeah? And we consult what good is there about our lives. And the system has, you know, obviously it's a lifestyle now for us. So we don't have a problem with that because you grew up in a society that did it. But the problem is, for all the years, mankind is trying to get from a wrong source. They are getting information. Now, I mean, my wife is white and I'm black. We're black and white. Her birthday is the 6th of October my birthday is the 10th of October. How does Libra explain that? I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. 
How can Libra be my guide about my life? Yet the Bible tells me before the foundations of the earth, Psalm 139, I already knew you. But what do we do? We go and listen to talk shows and we go listen to the opinions and the viewpoints. Come back to the original. That's my advice to you. Just go back to the original, your original manufacturer, and go and find out. When you have information that is true, now you can gain understanding out of the truth. And when you have that, you can move into a lifestyle of wisdom. I, I need to get this. Please, this, this is going to bless you. Um, Miles Monroe says, the house or the family, you know, the family, uh, you know, should be bound together by the husband, the father. The father, the family is like a business, he says, and I like the model that he brings. The family is like a business corporation. The father is the president. And he presides. The mother is the vice president. The children are the board members. The neighbors are the clients. Just look at these words. The husband is the president who presides. That means he does not control. We all, most of us, have been taught that way, that to be a father, you must control. The day that man got married to his wife, he took off his pants and he said, here's the pants. And she said, no. Now he said to her, no vice and control. What a weak man. He presides over the house. When your wife, the vice president, that means you don't act without getting advice from your wife. Because the reason why gave, God gave your wife is to help you. But some of us men, we know it all. We don't seek. The Bible says when you walk with the wise, you what? You what? You grow wise. So you have your wife next to you. And God has given her to you. And so when you walk with your wife, who is supposed to be wise, you become wise. Okay, let me move on, let me move on. Okay. Um, good Lord, help me. Uh, the Bible says, in Ephesians, please flash it up for me. Ephesians 6 verse 4. 6 verse 4. Save your neighbor, he come a dung. 
Ephesians 6 verse 4. All right? Let's go. One, two, three. And you. Okay. Children, you need to sharpen your ears now, eh? No can say any doofies. No more say sharpies. Because you got to remind daddy. You got to remind fathers. Your function is do not, what? Do not provoke your child. I don't provoke your child. Fathers, this is our responsibility. Okay, the next verse, what does the next verse say? It says there, but bring them up. Uh, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the and admonition. Say training and admonition. Your job as a father is to train your child. But what do we do? Mommy must. Come on, mommies. Help me here, mommies. We leave the job to the mommies. Is that what your Bible says? Mommies, train up your child? Is that what your Bible says? Does your Bible say, mommies, train up your child? It is the job of the fathers. It is the job of the fathers. It is your KRA as a father to train up your child in the way they should go. Not the mommies. Mommies would cost mark. Yeah? Mommies would say that they can do what daddy has said. Yeah? Mommies must make sure that you clean the yard as daddy said you must clean the yard. But the training comes from daddies. That's why our homes are struggling today. Because the daddies are absent and silent. If there's a daddy sitting next to you, please say, Daddy, it's time for you to man up. Repeat after me. Say, Daddy. No, 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 man. man. Say, Daddy. It's time to man up. It's your responsibility, Daddy. You see, you see, the reason why daddy is always by the friends because daddy have nothing to do at home. Daddy's out at very bar, you know, drinking because daddy got nothing to do. The Bible is showing us here, daddies, you have a lot to do. You the foundation. You the sustainer. You the provider. Come on, daddies. Okay, okay. <clears throat> okay, to 
Just give me a couple of minutes. But bring them up in the training. Say train. Your job, daddies, is to train. Now, it's a, you know, I'm, I, I regret that Jairus is not here, man. Can you help me remind Jairus he had to be here? Because Jairus works for the railway. And the train that we, that we understand is actually not the train. The train is actually, you know, the compartment or rather the part of the train that runs in front. That's the train. What is behind and connected to the train are the cars or the compartments. You can teach your daddy something today. In other words, the, the, the train does not send forward the compartments and say, I'm coming on. The train does not let all the other compartments move to the front. You go along, I'm coming, I'll see you there. The work of the daddy is to train. And if you can train, that's a train in Mankey's Fontaine. This is the train. This is the cars. Yeah? This is the train. Here's the train. Yeah. In front. Yeah? When the train moves... What happens to the cars? They what? They follow. Wherever the train goes, the cars follow. Yes? Daddies, train up your child in the way they should go. So when daddy moves, What is following? So if daddy goes to the Shabin, who follows? The cars. Yeah? If daddy goes to the, you know, to the gambling house. Yeah? What is following? The cars. If daddy, uh, you know, uh, goes to the movies, and watch an age restriction movie. Moves. Come. Yeah. So when daddy moves. Come. Come. Come my son. Come my daughter. Come. Follow what daddy is doing. Eat what daddy is eating. Drink what daddy is drinking. Watch what daddy is watching. Oh yes. Come daddy. Come. 
Come, come, follow daddy. Follow me, follow me. Even as I follow Christ, you follow me. Let's know so excited the level of my daddy's rock. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm gonna. Did I say enough? Did I say, oh, you're less sugar was Should I finish? Yeah, should I finish? You know, if you could just see your faces now from the time when I started preaching, you were so sad on your face. But now we're going home. Now you're smiling from ear to ear. God bless you this morning. The Bible says, train up a child. Right? Training and admonition. Let me just say, the Bible says, do not provoke your child. Don't provoke your child. In other words, don't say to the child, don't smoke my child, but you smoke him. That's what the Greek meaning of the word provoke means. <clears throat> Don't frustrate your child. There are so many men in prison today, children that ended up in prison because their fathers provoked them. Their fathers chased the child away. Yeah? While he was sitting at the smoky, chased the child away. Let me just say, if you have a friend and you don't want your child to listen to what your friend is saying, then I want to say, give that friend up. That's not a good friend. So when your child follows daddy, and daddy is training the child in training for reigning, say that after me, in training for reigning. Because that's what daddies must do. They must train up their child so that they can reign together with Christ. Okay, let let me steward is eight. You know, like of your said no year. Let's stand together. Did you get something this morning? At least something. You know? Train up the child and admonish the child. Don't frustrate your child. Don't embarrass your child. Don't humiliate your child. But train your child. Don't leave your work to your wife to do. Her job is to see to the home and to see to the family that the clothes is clean. Yeah? Her job is to see that you do what your daddy told you. Didn't your daddy say, 
but the training comes from the Father. And Father, this morning, I thank you for these precious people in this congregation. Truly, your word is active and alive. And I ask that you will look upon us today, that we will become examples, role models of this model of a father of wisdom and a family of wisdom. I pray today, Lord God, that you will stretch your hand of healing. So many of us have had bad fathers, terrible fathers, bad examples of fathers. But let it change from us today. I ask that you will break every curse that has been passed onto us by our fathers. I ask that the Lord would break that curse to my third and fourth generation. That they will not suffer fate here by that which has been passed on through the iniquities of our bloodline. And so, Father, right now I pray as we go home and think about this message and apply ourselves to this, I ask that the Lord will take us by the hand and remind us and walk with us that we may be fathers that are good examples and role models to our children. Lord, you don't provoke us. That's why we must not provoke our children. Forgive us, Lord, where we have provoked our children, where we have betrayed our children, where we have wounded. I pray this through our foolishness. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will wash us with the blood of Jesus now. And that you will help us, that we will grow day by day as we personify this word in our own lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you this morning. Receive the benediction of the Lord.